Welcome to the January 21st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, and the sermon is entitled, Take Care of My Sheep, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I am grateful for this day, and I'm going to ask you to take open your Bibles, go to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5. And in case you are counting, I know some of you might be, there are only two sermons left in the book of 1 Peter and we are done. We would have been completed 15 sermons out of the book of 1 Peter. So two sermons are left. And out of those two sermons, it is a stern warning to number one, Peter is giving to the church or the persecuted people of the preachers. And today we're going to look at that stern warning to the preachers. But next week we are going to look at the warning about Satan looking to devour. And so the next two sermons are important. But why in the world, as we look at this scripture today, is it important to have a good pastor? Well, even as 1 Peter is written, and Peter is looking to that, he's giving word to the preacher or to the elder that it's important that that position be filled with a godly man, a God-driven man. And it's important that they lead the people in Peter's day that would be persecuted and would be killed for their faith so they needed a strong leader in order to do that. And so that is the beginning and the mindset behind what Peter writes today as we open the word of God. How many of you grew up hearing the phrase, respect your elders, right? And I think most of us did. And, and growing up, those elders did not necessarily, well, I'm going to be honest with you. For me, it was just, you better be respectful of the old people, right? The ones that knew there, that had been there and done that, you better respect them. You better give them attention and show them respect and be mannerable and listen to what they had to say. We grew up with that to respect our elders. But the Bible's word of an elder today we're going to see is a little bit different. Yes, it is one that contains wisdom and knowledge that is of God, but it is the leader of the people of God. It is the pastor so I want to be honest with you, when, I, when we ran across this message, I circled this one and I said, I'm not looking forward to preaching that message because I believe this message is preached by me, but it's preached for me. As I opened this word, I said, God, this is, this is for me. This is hard stuff. But as I was reminded from one person today, you can't skip that stuff. And that's the beauty of preaching through the Bible. You can't skip these verses when it gets hard. So today, when we open the word of God, I want you to think of that godly leader. And any position that you hold in leadership is important in the body and the work of God. And so we gather around the good word of God. First Peter chapter number 5 today. Let's read that first verse. The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. I'm grateful for this word. As Peter opens up the word today, he begins by identifying himself with an elder. Now, I want to take a break before I go a little bit further and say this. I grew up in a church, uh, the Methodist denomination. Some of you have been there and, and done that too. And so you understand in that denomination, there is a bishop that oversees the denomination. And that bishop, once he makes a decision, it goes for all, everybody. 
And that, that bishop that, that ran the Methodist church, he didn't know where Amherst, Virginia was. He didn't know anything about our church. He didn't know it. But his decision was the rule for all. Good, bad, and indifferent. It went for everybody. And I know that in these days, the Methodist church is struggling because of some of those decisions that they chose to stand by. But as a pastor, it was hard to be in a church where somebody way above you made the decision that affected you and your church. And you had to abide by it. So when we think of church leadership, there's that model of a bishop or authority. There are also other models of leadership within the church today. Uh, and maybe some of you have been in churches that were led by elder boards. An elder board leads and makes decisions, and they basically govern the body of the church. Some of you may have had backgrounds in churches, and Clifford used to be this way, where the deacon board made a lot of the decisions, and as they led, they led from that position of leadership. And some of you may have been in churches where the pastor went overboard, and, and, and that's where trouble too. There are churches that are led solely by the pastor. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm glad I'm not a part of that church. There's enough that comes across my desk. I need help making some of these decisions, okay? And so I welcome those decisions, and I'm thankful for those decisions. And, but here in Clifford Baptist Church, I want you to know, Jeffrey doesn't make all the decisions, and Jeffrey doesn't make all the rules, and I'm thankful for that. We have a staff that you entrust day by day to make the decisions that we need to, to, to benefit and to run the church. We have a board of directors that help make decisions when it comes to do, uh, doing things in the body of the church. But ultimately, who makes the decision of Clifford Baptist Church? You do. We are a congregationally led church. You make the decision of the church, and so it falls on your shoulder. If the preacher's bad, you picked him, all right? I hope that's not true. But here's what I want to say. It falls on your lap. What you can see, even in religion, there's different ways to run the church. And there are different models. And so which is the best way? I don't have that answer. We could sit here and debate all day about that, of which model is the best. But I'm glad today that as we gather together, the, the sole purpose of the pastor is to take care of the flock. Is to feed the sheep and to feed them well. That is his number one priority. And it is a great responsibility. And it is one that brings me great joy in these days. And I pray that it is great joy for you. That even when it steps on toes. Or even when it's hard. Or even when it hurts. The truth of God is preached. And, and relied on. So even today. These are not Jeffrey's words. I'm just the messenger. But it's my job to feed you from the word of God that will affect your life and affect your decisions in ways as you try to live for him. I'm grateful in the first uh, verse today and we get our first point as we think about taking care of my sheep. And that, that, that's the message from Peter to, to the pastor. Take care of my sheep. But the first point is this. There is a responsibility to feed. There is a responsibility to to feed. Peter speaks from a place of experience and he identifies himself in verse number one of chapter five as an elder. He says this, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder. So he is identifying himself as a pastor, as a leader 
of the church. And he's able to do that. Because you remember, as Jesus was resurrected, he came back and he forgave Peter, didn't he? And what did he tell him three times? Three times he told him, feed my sheep and tend my sheep and take care of my sheep. It was his God-given duty to feed the flock and to feed the people of God. And I'm grateful for that restoration of God to Peter and to the man of God that he is able to feed the sheep. But the term throughout your Bible, elder, refers to the leaders of the church. You will find that term elder in the book of Acts, in the book of James, and both Peter and Paul use this position to refer to church leadership and in specific to the person of the pastor or the person that leads the church in the feeding. And so when we think of uh, Peter identifying himself, he identifies himself in verse number five as an elder, but he opened the book of First Peter identifying himself as an apostle. And it seems like in the hierarchy, the apostle would have a, a greater and higher responsibility than the elder. But you can see he relates. He identifies with the pastor of the leader of the church. He knew this pastor, this leader of this persecuted people would endure a hard job. As he remained truthful and faithful to God, he, he would, his life would be in limbo every single day. And so he identifies, he can relate to this pastor. Peter also seen Jesus. He worked with Jesus. He sat under the teaching of Jesus. He was commissioned by Jesus. And so here's what he also identifies himself in verse number one. He, also, he identifies himself as an elder, but he says, I'm also a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So he identifies himself as an elder, but he also says, hey, guess what? I have seen Jesus. I have witnessed the sufferings of Christ. I have watched him as, as he struggled with the weight of going to the cross. Remember, Peter was in that inner circle. He understands that. And so he understands the sufferings of Christ. But he also understands the glory. Because remember, he was one of those ones that was taken to the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17 that seen God's glory. And so he identifies and he says, I've been with Jesus. I know Jesus. But here I want to identify with the elder. I'm going to say this about that word, and I'm not going to get too much into it here. But the word elder in this situation, in chapter number 5, verse number 1, is of masculine form. It is to be a man. There is a lot of debate about men and women pastors. It is used in the masculine form here. It should be a man. That's my personal opinion. I've grown up about it uh, uh, both ways. But I see through the teaching of Scripture, it needs to be a godly man. As we are given this word today, it also speaks to someone that is wise. An elder is someone that is mature, that understands uh, not necessarily old in age, but understands the things of God. And so, uh, I remember the first time that I went to fill in at a church in our association. When I came to Clifford Baptist Church back in 2006, they needed somebody to, uh, uh, as a pulpit supply. I went and preached. And, and, and those people said, you are too young. And maybe they were right. At the time, I might have been right. Elder is somebody that has experience, that knows what God can do that knows about God, and that can lead others to follow. The word, if you go back into the Greek, is presbyterius. 
So you, we get our word Presbyterian from that, okay? And the Presbyterians are run by that, that uh, governed model of elders. But as we think of that word for an elder, what, what we're seeing Peter do is he identifies himself as suffering with Christ and partaking of the glory. And as, there, as an elder, as somebody that is capable to feed the sheep. Now today, I don't know what your idea of a good pastor is. But today, we're going we're gonna to see some biblical examples of what a good pastor should do. And the first thing that they should do is they should feed the flock. They've got to feed the flock. And so from this presentation of the word elder, we see it as a responsibility of the pastor, of the bishop, of the overseer, whatever word you want to use to lead the flock of God. And that number one job is to allow them to feed on the truth that comes from God through his word. So we think about Peter, and he identifies that first point. He's got a responsibility because of his title to feed the truth of God. And that same thing is for me. If you don't like a sermon or the content of the sermon, you have to take it up with God, okay? Because it is his word, and that's where we're pulling from. So long it is the word of God, then I think, I think we're going to be okay, okay? Point number two. Look at verses two and three. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. The second point of our message today is this. We need to know how to feed. We need to know how to feed. Now, I'm grateful that I had the privilege of growing up in Amherst County. I, would, I think I, I, I'm stuck here. I, it may be selfish, but I told God, this is my home. I don't want to go anywhere. Terry gets to the point at 41 years, I don't even leave the house. That's kind of the person I am. But I love this place. I think it is one of the greatest in all the world. I've grown up here. I've lived here. I will be here as long as I have control over that unless the Lord moves me away. But I had the privilege of growing up, of growing up on a farm. And I think that kind of lifestyle teaches you a lot about life. It teaches you about growing up. It teaches you about life. But I, I was able to grow up on the farm, and we had mainly horses and cows growing up. But we had the kind of horses and cows that when you shook the bucket, here they come. So it made the feeding time easy. Uh, I, I do have a couple of cows now, and when they hear the tractor start, they're at the gate. That's my kind of animal, okay? I love that kind of animal. Because you, that you can count them, you can make sure they're okay, you can check on them, you can feed them, and you can move on along. But I'll tell you today, feeding sheep isn't that easy. It isn't that easy as simple as shaking a bucket and hope they show up. We're going to get back to this, but in the scripture and the gospel we understand, sometimes sheep get lost. And somebody's got to go find them. And that's not the fun part when the animals wander and they're, they're, they're stubborn and they're hard-headed and they won't follow and they want to do their own thing. And yet here comes the elder or the pastor with the truth that they don't like. Sheep are sometimes hard to feed. But look at verse number 2. Look at the beginning words there of verse 2. Feed the flock of God 
which is among you. The greatest responsibility of the elder or the pastor is this, to feed the flock of God. And you're going to get a couple of these. The first thing, you've got to feed them. It's not just to shake the bucket and hope they come. We don't throw open the doors and say, Clifford Baptist Church is open, y'all come. No. You've got to get out in the community and you've got to witness and you've got to be involved in people's lives and, and you've got to feed them. We are told that the Holy Spirit is active in drawing people, but the shepherd must be faithful to feed the flock every time he can. Every time that is available, it is feeding time. Now, I know little babies and children and us adults, we have our feeding time. It might be 6 o'clock in the morning and 12 o'clock at day and 6 o'clock at night. Those are our feeding times. But when is the feeding time for the flock? Is it just 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Absolutely not. The flock needs to be fed day in and day out in all hours of the day to be faithful to feed them with the Word of God and with the truth of God. That is the pastor's job. So make sure, listen to me, make sure your pastors are doing a good job in feeding you. If you show up, and you aren't being fed, something's wrong. There's a disconnect there somewhere. We gotta make that, we gotta figure that out. There are many people that go to churches and say, I, I don't get anything. That's a shame. But it is a direct reflection here. The pastor has a responsibility to feed the flock. Look at verse number two again. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight. Thereof. So the second thing the pastor must do in feeding the sheep is he's got to take oversight. That word here, overseer or bishop, is used. And, and we see it, they're used throughout the Bible interchangeably. But the job is just not a title. It's more than a title. It's a responsibility that you must provide oversight to shepherd the flock, you've got to tend to, and you've got to connect with, and you've got to correct, and you've got to lead, and you've got to feed. And I want you to know, these are not always fun jobs. Oversight of the flock is not my forte. But it's commanded. Do you see that? It's commanded by God to oversee the flock. So when the pastor sees the sheep doing something that is not right, it is the pastor's job to take care of the sheep. And that's where it gets sticky. That's where it gets hard. That's where ministry is not very, uh, very, very joyful in my side. But do you see it's a responsibility to have oversight of your sheep? The third thing, look at verse number three. Or excuse me, end of verse number two, it says this. Uh, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but out of, of, of a ready mind. So the third way that we've got to feed is we've got to feed willingly and eagerly. So I told you, what time did I get here to feed you this morning? Six o'clock, long before feeding time. The pastor has to get here. Now, what does the pastor do from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock to 11 o'clock? There's a little prayer room behind the sanctuary, and that's where you'll find me. It is my job not to come in here on a whim or a last minute or, the, or my coattails and, and try to feed you with, with leftover stuff or, or with the stuff that's scraping the bottom of the barrel. 
I want you to feed on and I want you to have and partake of the good word of God. And it's so my job to study and be prepared and to bring you that good meat every time that I open the word. Every feeding time, you should come expecting the very best from God. Now listen, it's not always going to tickle your ears. It's not always going to make you feel good. Sometimes it's going to hurt, just like this sermon. I didn't want to preach this sermon, but I have to because it's in the Word of God. When we talk about feeding willingly and eagerly, I am to feed with an attitude of gladness and enjoyment and passion, eagerly wanting the very best for everybody that follows the Lord. There are pastors that I know and that I've known for a long time who serve out of duty, not calling. There are pastors that serve grumbling and not in generous form. And you can tell a difference there. Here's my reminder. What a privilege to serve the Lord by being able to feed the sheep. What a job. Some of you can relate to this. You might wake up in the morning and you, you might have something on your schedule. Those of you that work may go into, job, go into your job saying, I do not like this. I don't feel like working today. I hate my job. There's some people that go to work and say, I hate my job. I pray that I never get that way in this job. Because there have been jobs in the past that I, that I despise. But I want you to know a year and a half in, and I know I'm a newlywed here, it's joyful every morning. I can't wait to get to the office at 6.30 in the morning and begin to prepare what you will feed on that week. The pastor must do it willingly and eagerly. The last one, look at verse number 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being an example or an example to the flock. So the last way that we feed is we feed by being an example. As I am leading the church, it is not a dictatorship, okay? It is not ruled with an iron fist. This is not do it because I said so. I don't want to use my position to look down on anyone or to diminish anyone, but I want to be the chief example of what somebody who loves Jesus should live their life by. That should be my responsibility. That should be my desire. But I pray that as I am an example to people, and our deacons are an example to people, that the church becomes an example to one another and to a community that serves and loves one another. So it starts with the pastor, it trickles through the leadership, and ultimately it is the church's responsibility to love and to serve in the name of Jesus. Here's my promise to you. I will never ask you to give or to do or to go somewhere that I'm not willing to go or to do or to give myself. You will never, never, that is my promise, have me ask you to do something that I am willing to do. Here's how Jeffrey operates, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm going to put out the plea one time. If nobody answers, you will find me doing it. That goes from preaching to sweeping the floor. If we have a mess in the middle of the aisle and a hundred people walk by it, I will be the one that cleans it up. And that's not a bragging session. That's just the truth. 
But why do I do that? I don't do it for you to pat me on the back and say, great job, pastor. I don't do it for you to pat me on the back and say, that's your job. That's why we pay you to do it. I do it because I want to be an example to anybody and everybody that watches. I know that I've got hundreds, listen to me, hundreds of eyes on every day of my life, every move that I make. Everything that I say, every time I stand behind the pulpit, every time I open the door, hundreds of eyes are watching. That's a scary thought. But I want you to know there are four eyes. I've got two boys within my home that I want to be an example to. I've got a wife that I want to be an example to. I've got extended family that I want to be an example. I've got a church family that I want to be an example to. I've got a, a community that I want to be an example. And when they look at Jeffrey, all I want them to see is Jesus. So we lead and we feed by being an example for him. And here's my prayer. May the Lord just use me as long as he sees fit to be that example. Point number three. There is a way to feed. And there is a way not to feed. So the third point is how not to feed. In those verses, verses 2 and 3, I'm going to read them again. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So the third point, how not to feed. And Peter gives this instruction of, of how to feed by putting a lot of knots in there. And you can see them in verses 2 and 3. The first way that you do not feed is by compulsion because you have to. Now, I already used this, this example in this sermon, but many of us go to work because we have to. Well, the pastor should not feel like he has to do something. He has to have an attitude that he is willing and that he wants to and that he's ready to because that's where the joy comes from. And so the pastor should not serve out of compulsion because it robs the joy that he has. The, the pastor should not serve for money. Look, in, look at uh, verse number two. Not for filthy lucre. That means out of greed for money, the pastor should not serve for those intentions. Now, I will say this. Listen up. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy chapter 5, that the pastor should be paid worthy of double honor. And it says in verse number 18 that the laborer is worthy of his reward. So don't you go skimming the pastor, okay? I don't say that out of my position. I just say out of, churches skim the pastor. They want the very best for themselves, but the pastor has to live off the crumbs. That's not the way the Bible puts it. But here's what the Bible says, though. The pastor should not, should not be greedy for money. It is not a job that we get rich. When I entered the ministry, I entered it bivocationally on purpose. Because there wasn't a whole lot of money the church had to pay the pastor. My home church can't afford to pay a full-time pastor. And I told the early service, my first Sunday preaching as a lay supply pastor, I got a $20 bill in my pocket. The first month of ministry, $80 is all I made. But I wasn't there for the money. When people started to grow, that, that $20 became 50 and 50 became, and they, they took care of me. 
But here's, here's what I'm saying. When you watch TV or when you see pastors on TV, they give all pastors a, a, a negative connotation. That it's all about the money. And it's not. Here's another promise for me. You will never hear me ask for a raise. Because I entered this knowing it is not about money. I didn't enter this to get rich and make millions and retire early and move to Florida or whatever. I didn't do that. It's not about the money. If you told me today you're going to cut my salary, I'll probably still beg you to please let me be your pastor. That's my heart. It's not about the money. I will not ask for a raise. I will probably ask for the opposite. Don't give me one. Because it's not about the money. I know every profession is not a job in which you enjoy or you desire to get rich. But the pastor should not serve out of a desire to swindle money from the people of God. That is not how it is intended. The last point of way not to feed is verse number three. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensampled to the flock. Pastors don't feed the flock from a position of heavy-handed rule. It's not because I said so. I'm grateful that I don't have to do that. I don't stand here and say, you do this because I said so. My direction wants to be this. Do this because the Bible says so. Because it's not on my shoulders then. We do it because the Bible says so. But even in my own home, I don't rule addicted. Well, maybe I do. I've looked at my two boys and I said this. You do it because I said so. I'm your daddy. Can I get an amen there? Okay, I'll, I'll just make sure I wasn't the only one, okay? Y'all don't think bad of me because I did that, okay? But I told my boys, don't, don't talk back. Don't ask questions. Trust me. Do it because I say so. But you cannot run the church like that. You run the church as verse number three, not by a heavy hand, but by a heavy heart being the example to the flock. And when they see the pastor loving, and when they see the pastor serving, and they, when they see the pastor giving his all, that's when the people will begin to step in there beside him, and the church begins to be the church. It is not a place or a position of dictatorship, but it is a position of humble service to Jesus Christ. All right, enough about that. Our last point today. Look at verse number four. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Point number four today is this. There is a blessing in the feeding or of the feeding. Look at verse two real quick before you put your Bibles away. Look at verse two one more time. Here's what that says. Feed the flock. What are the next two words? Of God. Feed the flock of God. Circle those two words in your Bible of God or underline them because here's what I want you to know. I love this church. I love your family. I love you all. But here's the reality. The flock doesn't belong to me. You are not mine. Clifford Baptist Church does not belong to me. The people of Clifford Baptist Church and the Lord allows me to serve here. And I don't know how long that will be. Hopefully it's a little while. 
But here's, here's, here's where I want you to see the heart. One of the hardest things from a pastor's heart is to see this. People leave the church. That hurts a pastor's heart. I've been in tears because people have left the church. But I can't worry about that. Because the flock is not mine. I have no control of who comes and who goes. If it was over my control, there would be steel doors. And you can come in, but you can't leave. But is that how you pastor a church? No, you've got to trust the ones that God allows you to pastor. Some are out of these doors for their own wanting and their own reasons. And I'll ask and I'll call and I'll, I'll ask. And, and remember how Jeffrey is. He's going to ask one time, it's not my job to beg you to come to my church. That's not my job. I will extend the invitation and I will trust that God will bring the ones here that need to be ministered to. I'm not going to beg you to stay. And I'm not going to beg you to leave. If you are here, it is my job as the pastor to minister to you and your family. But the hardest part from the pastor's heart is to see people go. But the great joy is the Lord brings others in. And when we talk about the blessing of ministering, I want you to know that you, you all do not belong to me. I've been charged by God. I've been charged by the church. Whether you call me pastor or elder or overseer or bishop, just call me Jeffrey and it'll be okay, okay? It's an honor. That word pastor, that holds great honor. The greatest name, there are a couple of them. My kids call me daddy. There are only two people in this world that can call me daddy. But when somebody calls you pastor, that's just as humbling. Because you have a God-given job to take care of the flock of God. Look at verse number four. It says this, and when the chief Shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The Bible t- teaches this. The pastor will be held at greater responsibility in his time of judgment than anybody else. That's why nobody signs up to be a pastor, right? Great responsibility. But here's also the blessing of it. That a man that leads the flock well, that leads the people of God well. It doesn't have to be a number. It does not have to be a big church. It leads them in the truth of God well. When he reaches heaven, there's going to be a crown of glory waiting for him. And that crown will not be given by anybody else than Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm grateful for that. I don't do it for the crown. I don't do it for your glory. I do it so God gets the glory. And so today, as we gather around, I want you to see in this last verse, it talks about that chief shepherd. But in the Gospel of John, John 10, 11, the Bible says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As an, as an example, he gives his life. So John paints him uh, Jesus as a good shepherd. The book of Hebrews paints Jesus as the great shepherd as he rose from the dead. But Peter, knowing Jesus, serving with Jesus, being commissioned by Jesus, says this, he is my chief shepherd. 
And one day, all those that are faithful that have led the flock will stand before the chief shepherd and you will receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The great blessing of serving as a pastor is this. There are joys and blessings and celebrations that we enjoy on this side. But for all eternity, people will know that you served the Lord and served Him well. But you don't do it for that crown. You don't do it for that recognition. You don't do it for money. You don't do it for entertainment. You do it for no other reason than to care for the flock that belongs to God. So today, maybe this is a Sunday you feel like, I didn't need that. The preacher didn't even preach to me. I feel like I've preached to myself a lot. And twice today. But here's what I want you to know. In a moment of invitation, how do we approach that? How do we approach a moment of invitation when all we've talked about is the preacher today? Here's how we approach it. You bow your head and you pray for your pastors. You pray for the men of God that, that the Lord has entrusted to this place. That we don't misstep because guess what? I will make a mistake. And that when we fall, it's not too bad because guess what? I'm going to fall. But when I do, there will be the flock around me. And I'm grateful for that. I don't stand before you as the perfect pastor today. And I will never claim to be the perfect pastor. But here's what I, I do desire. Pray for me. Pray for Nathan. Pray for your pastors and leaders of this church. And so today, I'll, I'll be the first to kneel. And I'll be the first to pray. And I'll be the first to ask, please pray for me. Because I cannot do that. Do it without you and without the Lord. Pray that we are always faithful to follow Him. Pray for one another. As we have talking, uh, talked about the flock, the flock is diverse. We're different. And everybody looks to the pastor in different ways. And so the greatest thing that you can do in this moment of invitation is pray for your brother and sister. That we remain strong together and as we serve together, that we will always, always be faithful to the chief shepherd that is the one that leads us. Maybe today, in a moment of invitation, there's one. The Bible teaches about the 99 and the one. It teaches about a hundred sheep. And what did Jesus do? You know the story. He left the flock. He left the 99 for the one. And here's the reality. At one point, I was that one. That Jesus came for me. Maybe today you are here and you feel like the one. You look around and you see all these believers and you see all these people and, and you think they're good church people and they, they know the Lord and they know their Bibles and you're that one that's sitting there. Knowing this seems different. Knowing that, hey, I, I need a place to belong. I need a place to come to. I need a place to trust. I need a pastor to sit under. I need a great and chief and good shepherd that I can give my life to. Today, if you are here and you feel like that one, I want you to know this. Jesus loves you. And he did leave the 99 and he did go to the one. But he went further, to, further than that. He went to a cross to forgive all sin and every sin. To make your payment for sin as he shed his blood. 
third day rose to give life and life eternal that anyone who believes will have. Today, if you are that one that needs Jesus, that needs eternal life, today this invitation is for you. Will you come? May we join our hearts together in prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for a moment that we bow before you. Lord, thank you, Lord, in this church family. Lord, this week, looking back through a list of names of pastors, I pray that I'm thankful for each one of them that has come through the years. God, I pray, Lord, that you will be with the pastors of this day. Lord, that you will be with myself and you will be with Nathan, that you will give us your leadership, godly wisdom, godly understanding. Lord, thank you, Lord, that, we, that you are our chief shepherd and that we will continue to look to you, that you will lead us. But as an under-shepherd, Lord, you expect a lot of the leaders and the pastors of your church. And so, God, in this moment, God, I just pray that you keep us humble, but you keep us hungry. Lord, that you remind us that you get the glory, not ourselves. That when pride begins to well, Lord, that you will just nip that in the bud. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will allow us to always feed off of you first before feeding the flock. Only the way that you can, God, I pray for everyone that is represented in the family, in the flock of God here today and those that are watching live stream. God, I pray over families that are hurting. I pray over situations. I pray forgiveness where it is needed. And God, in this moment of invitation, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work. And we trust you to do that work now. And it's in the strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.